0: Good morning, and welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Breakfast Show on Faith FM, eighty-seven point right. six, eighty-seven point eight, or eighty-eight, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning, and you are with the Double
1: L team, Lyle and Lawson.
0: And we are here. We were not here for a moment, but we now weren't. we are here.
1: Now we are here. You know, just getting it done.
0: It's always a good thing to be here.
1: You know, I, I love just, just, just getting, getting psyched up in the morning. It's really interesting, you know. You guys don't see us. We come into the studio, you know. We sit and get ready. We're sort of like ready. we're in our
0: zone, head down, working hard, getting stories ready, cutting it down to the line. Yeah, let's go we, live. But dude, when that
1: jingle comes on, it's like, hey! go. like Time everyone go. just gets happy all of a sudden. It's so good.
0: Yeah, Anyways, fantastic. What exactly. are you grateful for? Ooh, what am I grateful for this morning? Um. Shopping trips. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, shopping trips are like, you
0: know, during lockdown when you get to go to that one shop per day you're allowed to go to. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, there used to be a time when I would aspire to go on holiday to Croatia or... The United States or (laughs) Japan or somewhere like that. (laughs) Now I aspire to going to Bunnings. (laughs) It's like, like, oh yes. Let me get my passport and
1: And go. Or Coles. Or Coles. And you know, Bunnings is better. You're like really taking your time strolling through each one of the aisles because it's just like, well, you know, it's, I get to stay outside for a little bit. And And there's people. And there's people. Yeah. And then you're like, whoa, I've never seen that spice before. I might use it in my food and. Yeah, wild, good times.
0: Yeah, fantastic stuff. <laughs> I actually another thing I'm thankful for. I got to meet a new neighbour yesterday. Uh huh. So we have our neighbours, an older couple, and their son stays with them a lot of the time. Mm. Maybe like fifty percent of the time you see him there. Got to meet him yesterday. No, nice. I've never met him. I met the other people, you know, yeah. a million times over. But sure, never met the son before. I had oh, an interesting so, chat, yeah. so that was all good. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Oh, I want to meet my neighbours more.
1: You're listening to the
0: Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, Lawson. Let's have some positively different
1: news. Positive. Okay. Uh, I don't know where to go first. Light news or heavy news? Okay. Let's let's start with the heavy. Let's start with the heavy stuff, and we can have a discussion. And and it's good news, but it's interesting. And then heavy. you know it's interesting and heavy. And I think there's a lot to talk about. And it's following a current trend that we're seeing um, emerging. In an interesting place, so uh, another report has been released into into Western media um, that China is now restricting children's ability um, of how much they can use apps, and specifically um, yin which is basically it's TikTok. It's it is it is TikTok, but that's what they call it in China. Yes. it's called Douyin. Um, that users under fourteen can only use it um, during daylight hours. So past six PM, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, past if they go, yeah, they can't use it past eight PM, and they can't use it before six AM in the morning, and they can only
0: use it for forty minutes a day. You know, I'm, this is this is not bad. This, it's it's unusual for me to support you know some totalitarian style rules coming out of China, but. Basically, what is happening is parents are not doing their job, and so the government is stepping in and saying. I haven't heard the
1: whole thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you stealing my opinion, bro? <laughs> but anyways,
1: no. So they're putting these, uh, they're putting this legislation in place. Of course, this is on the trend, the current trend that they've been going on. It's like if you're a miner, you can't play video games for more than like one hour a week between these times. It, uh, this There was another trend as well where they're like heavily, um not heavily, but censoring social media, you know, to, to try and like basically discourage children from playing into, um, celebrity culture. They're banning accounts that are like, uh, which are very common on social media of like celebrity tribute, you know, um, celebrity tribute accounts which is particularly common in the area of music whether it be western music or or things like you know um k-pop or something like that they're like banning these accounts because they don't want um chinese youth to obsess over celebrities and celebrity culture and they're just like this is the thing and, and lyle you kind of you kind of getting at what what i was thinking but the, the idea is like you know we see these reforms from our perspective particularly as People who are relatively—I don't know—we see the moves that the West is making, particularly after talking yesterday about yes. what's going on on Netflix and yes. the way that children are being portrayed, at, you know, in media and marketed to, and how just broken and disgusting and gross it is, and how it's just so corrupting and terrible. Um, and we're seeing the—you know—people promoting this. We're seeing the growth of this, and anyway. and you could even say from like a, a governmental, like legislative point point of view, like th- they're really laxed up on, on these kind of content and, and just letting it go out into the world, whereas in previous eras they would have, like, you know, government put in place, um, you know, things like the the ESRB or the the rating people who were put in place by the government to basically filter media would have cracked down on, on um, content like
0: this. We're seeing the exact opposite happen in China. And this is interesting because when you stop and think about it, Uh, the question you have to ask yourself is, is this a very clear sign that if time were to continue, China will be the next superpower? Mm. Because while the West just drives itself into oblivion, and anybody who studied history, anybody who knows anything about history, your model for the collapse of an empire is the Roman Empire. Yeah. And we know that the Roman Empire collapsed when the Roman Empire became obsessed with entertainment and immorality. Mm. And then you can trace that through any empire that has collapsed. And what happens is that you have this period of great difficulty as an empire rises to power. And when it achieves a position of power... It then becomes wealthy and it becomes lax and there is, you know, you you don't have to fight to survive anymore and so people just go nuts, they go Mm. crazy and immorality takes over. It's a cycle that has gone on literally for millennia Mm. and we are seeing it in Western society right now and China is seeing it and China's like, you know what, I'm going to cash in on this and we're going to overtake the rest of the world because we're going to have a generation of young people that are not destroyed. Mm. And it's it's so interesting that it's
1: like so TikTok in the West is like so many people are pointing at that as like this vehicle that is like destroying kids and it's just such a terrible influence and it like and there's so many reasons for that um I I don't really have the time to get into, um, but it's like in the like the creators of TikTok from China are the ones putting restrictions on it for their own population so that they don't get sucked in and 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 destroyed and negatively influenced by it. But I think you you touched on something initially there that kind of game like I'm thinking as I'm reading this is that whether it's China or whether it's you know Western countries like Australia or the US or whatever. Ultimately, someone's not doing their job, so the government has to step in, or media has to step in and influence them in some way. And the person who isn't doing their job is parents. Like this is so obviously to like obvious to me. Like the solution to this, absolutely, because I absolutely because it's like okay, should we support a forty minute you know um a government imposed forty minute limit on TikTok? And and some people would say yes, but I'm like oh, but. You know, shouldn't we have the freedom to make those decisions? But this is the thing. For children, it's like, should the government be enforcing that or should parents be a good influence and be enforcing that
0: if the, government, if the parents were doing it, the government wouldn't need to. That's right. And that's where it should come from. And this is basically the government stepping in and doing what parents refuse to do. That's right. And that's the tragedy of this situation. But we've got Darren Pratt, who is our resident expert on everything in relationship to children, Um and basically texting in and saying, you know, China's doing this because they know the science. Mm. They know what's going on. He says, we ha- we as parents need to lean into this one and parent more than ever. Um, the enemy has plans for our children. The question is, do we? Mm.
1: Wow. And I think it's really interesting here, like that perspective then. It's like if China, you know, let's make China to, out to be the the big bad guy, right? Yes. and it's like if the country is parenting the children, and then you've you know you're fostering some like is there some kind of um what's the word conflict that comes in the future? Like you've got a bunch of kids who are loyal to the country because the country's been consistently stepping into their lives and guiding them. Um, and you know I see it as very easy, like you know you, all of a sudden you've got all these people following this totalitarian regime. Whereas in the West, like they're doing the complete opposite, and it's it's um. Really really gnarly
0: and as Darren says here children have no breaks you know yes. they can't put the brakes on especially teens we as parents need to be the brakes we need to be able to put the brakes on children just don't have that and if they go through their teens without learning that they go into into adulthood without having breaks
1: and that's the thing I think ultimately like parents you know, We want our kids, as the Bible gives command to, to respect us, to follow our leading, but it starts with our relationship with God first. It starts with our stepping up to the plate, um, and being a follower of Jesus, using his influence in our life to then be an influence to our children. And then as they grow up, you know, they, they don't have to, they don't have to fall in and, and fall into all these traps that are put before them, but they'll know right from wrong and ultimately, be be blessed. Like it's it's so it's so clear to me. It's so clear to me. It's like why is China doing this? Because they want loyalty. Hey, if you want kids to be loyal to you, then you know, raise them. <laughs> really good. Absolutely. Stuff that be a parent. Be a parent. Simple as that. A parent. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
0: So we talk about some more serious stories now, and we're going to talk about COVID and Uh COVID restrictions and so Mm -hmm. forth. So New South Wales, uh, in the state that we are broadcasting from with The Breakfast Show, as of Monday, the 27th of September, will no longer require construction workers to be vaccinated. So the unvaccinated construction workers will be allowed to go back. What's the date? 27th of September. Really? Okay, so this is interesting because it does raise a whole bunch of questions because, you know, uh we look at, you know, the regulations that New South Wales has for, you know, reopening churches and so forth, and the initial reopening once we hit, you know, 70% is only for vaccinated people, but they are re- restarting the construction industry and that's great. Uh, I, I, I support this because you know we need to keep people working, we need to keep the economy going and we need to keep people's mental health in good state. But why is it then if construction workers are allowed to go back to work unvaccinated that churches can't meet and particularly in an outdoor setting? A lot of construction is taking place in an outdoor setting which is one of the reasons why they are allowing this and so why not be able to meet in groups and have outdoor church? Well, I'm going to tell you why. You've just awakened in
1: me, my anti-government conspiracy theorist, and I'll tell you why. Because the current New South Wales government is completely sponsored by property developers who need people to build buildings. <laughs> nice. Lyle, Lyle this is this is literally our government. I am like, you know, I don't get, I don't talk about this a lot on radio, but you know, at well, least
0: at least I am <laughs> going to say this: our property our property developers that are controlling our government have achieved a good thing.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. In in developing property, <laughs> hey, this is the thing. It's like because the, the the problem is, Lyle, is like whilst I agree with this, this is a good thing. This doesn't then send a precedent for the rest of every industry, including church, that they're allowed to go back. Like,
0: because where it should set a precedent, and it, and it should be something that we should be able to argue that at least churches can meet in the open air. Yeah, so long as they're not you know close to each other. But this is the thing: is that churches don't build buildings, that uh, then the
1: profits... Is, this is the problem. Churches this don't build buildings, right th- and the profit okay. that comes from them sponsors the government. But so. think about
0: this. The biggest money spinner in any Western country is religion. The biggest contributor to the economy is religion. Really? Yes. Any Western country. That's the biggest contributor to the economy. <laughs> Really? And governments should be taking note of that. Anyway, moving on to Victoria, they've gone the opposite direction. They've just thrown their entire construction industry in Melbourne, uh, Ballarat and Geelong into a two-week shutdown. And this is after they did an audit of work sites because they had reopened for Mm -hmm. uh, construction workers to be able to go back to work. And they found that on fifty percent of work sites there were unvac they were only reopened for vaccinated people fifty percent of work sites there were unvaccinated people there, yeah, and so they 've shut the whole thing down for two weeks it's like throwing them into uh two weeks jail as a result of yeah and of course you know Which... victoria you 've got thousands of people protesting and the c f m e u and it's interesting to see the uh the the, the left wing coming out and protesting these pretty hard. Hmm. Um, and the yeah, the thing that sort of does my head in a little bit with some of these lockdowns and people being thrown out of work is that you know most historically governments have always worked hard to keep people employed and yeah. to lower unemployment. But with mandatory vaccinations, you know I think that we have demonstrated as a country that there are plenty enough people within our country to be able to achieve what the government wants to achieve without having mandatory vaccinations. Mm-hmm. You've got a very well, a relatively small percentage that, um, are either conscientious objectors or health objectors or whatever they, whatever reason they want to object for that object to it. And I think that we also need to consider the toll that this is taking. So Definitely. I'm going to, I'm going to share a story that, um, I'm not going to mention names or places or anything like that because, you know, I don't know the people involved, but, uh, a friend of mine, this, this is something that took place to a, you know, a friend of his where, you know, he was he was in a job where mandatory vaccinations were required. Uh, from his research, he believed that the vaccination would be debilitating to him, that it would be bad for his health and that he would have to live with a disability for the rest of his life if he took a vax. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people out there who genuinely believe that and you're not going to change their mind on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when mandatory vaccinations came in, he lost his job mm-hmm. because he wasn't prepared to live without... Um, live with a disability for the rest of his life. But the problem was he also wasn't prepared to live without a job for the rest of his life. Mm. So he walked out of his workplace, went home, hung himself, his wife found him a few hours later. That is terrible. Is really, really awful. Mm. And you can kind of, you know, hey, I'm not anti-vax at all in any way shape mm-hmm. or form i've said this over and over and over again i res- i totally support responsible vaccinations mm. but you can kind of see where you know if you really believe that that scenario you can see where a person loses hope mm. and uh wow. it's it's <sighs> yeah it's 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 interesting to uh to see some of the emotional toll of um what we're doing with you know lockdowns in this country—it's some interesting research just come out from the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. So I'm, this is this is not you know this is not conspiracy stuff. This is the World Health Organization. They have now come out and said that lockdowns are not the answer; that they make people poorer; that world poverty has more than doubled since lockdowns began; and they should never be the primary method due to the serious financial and life-threatening health problems they cause. Mm. I guess Australia and New Zealand haven't heard about that. We are in the most lockdown countries that there are in the world. It's also interesting, while we're on the subject of uh, lockdowns and so forth and mandatory vaccinations, the Vatican has come out with their regulations in relationship to vaccination. So you are only allowed to enter the Vatican if you have a vaccination or natural immunity. In other words, you've had the disease already. Okay. Or you have a negative test, okay now it is very concerning to me when or or I should say if you're going to church. if you're going to church, you don't require anything. anyone can go to church oh, so in the if you're a
1: tourist if you're then... a tourist
0: you've got to have either a vaccination, natural immunity, or a negative test. If you're just going in there to go to mass, you're G. just go. they're not going to ask a question. Now, what concerns me is when the Vatican is more free than New South Wales or Victoria. (laughs) I know the history of the Vatican. History is my thing. Yeah. That worries me a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Can't go to church in Australia right now. Can't Mm. go to church once New South Wales reopens unless you've had a vaccination, which you know a lot of people have a conscientious objection based on the fact that their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I might not agree with them. Mm. I don't have to agree with them. I'll stand for people's freedom of conscience on these issues. Mm. That's the important issue. Wow. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Okay. All right. The uh, CDC uh, report on, uh, while we're talking about COVID and so forth on comorbidities. Um, And of course, this is people who have died from COVID Mm. and, the number one is overweight or obesity. This number two is hypertension. Number three is diabetes. Number four is dementia. Uh, number five is arteriosclerosis. And number six is chronic, chronic lower respiratory disease. So those mm-hmm. are the ones to watch out for. And if you look at hospital admission, so these people didn't die, but they necessarily die, but they went to hospital. Number eight is anxiety and number 11 is depression as um, comorbidities that people have when they go to hospital. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
1: So yesterday, you know, we had a fair few calls and texts coming in after the news story uh, that that you dropped and, you know, people having their opinion and piece to say. And I answered one of the phones. And I was like, hey, it's Lawson from Faith FM." You know, just in the place of Shell during the ad break.
0: Because there was too many phone but calls. There was too having. many phone yeah, calls. <laughs> yeah, so calls. I answered
1: one of the phones and the person was just so nice on the other end. Shout out Christine. She was like, oh, Lawson, hi. I listen to you guys every morning. Love the show so much. And just wanted to say you guys did, you know, a great job reporting that. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. So, yeah, call in, text in, guys, play the quiz. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Fantastic. We've got David Help joining us on the phone right now. So uh let's cross over to david david welcome to the show
2: good morning gentlemen and good morning to your listeners
0: david last week we talked about step parenting which has kind of become the norm here in uh, australia and in western societies and probably in very many parts of the world for you know most families and we looked at some of the challenges with step parenting uh but i we, we can look at this from a different angle where there is actually some great opportunities here as well where do we start this conversation
2: Well, we're going to take off where we we left off last week and that was, you know, looking at your own story of uh, growing up at home where mum passed away and uh, they stepped here and stepped in. And eventually uh, you and your brother basically left home, felt that there was a divorce in the family or another death, uh, the, the absence of the father. And uh, that really has uh, stuck with me the entire week. And I thought, why not focus on the positive outcomes and especially include in that, not just the parenting, but also the opportunity of foster parenting? Because here is a great opportunity that we so often miss of changing the trajectory of a child's life. Uh, In other words, really influencing that child for the better for the entire future. And uh, we so often look at the pathology, the, the negatives in life, instead of seeing the opportunities as well.
0: I think that's a fantastic uh, perspective to take on this. And, you know, even looking back at my previous experience um, a, a, as a young person growing up, I have to say that, you know, everybody who was involved in that really wanted the best outcome. You know that was that was the motivation. It was just a whole bunch of things that none of us understood, but everybody actually wanted the best outcome.
2: You know, Lyle. As, as I was thinking over this past week about your conversation, I realised that when a death happens in a family, the partner often, if if it's a sudden death, it it takes a long time to process it. But if there is, if there's been a sick bed. Uh, you know and you know that this person is going to pass away there's a process of taking leave of that uh, loved one of yours and by the time that death happens uh, you are often ready to move forward because you've had your time of saying goodbye but the child in that relationship experiences a major vacuum in their life and when a parent steps into a new relationship um they invest a lot in there, and this is where uh, step parenting sometimes has some pitfalls because that new person wants to, to win the child to accept them as a parent. That child is not ready because they're still grieving about the loss of a parent. The the father or the mother, the the one that survived. Uh, is, is the one that is ready to move on and build a new relationship. And therefore, the child feels a divorce. In other words, a second death, a loss of another parent. And if the stepparent and the maturity of that father or mother that survived is not looking at the need of that child at that moment, what happened in your experience is very inevitable to happen. But here comes an opportunity that when a step parent or even a foster parent actually solely focuses on what can I do for that child i'm not going to take this the the position of the parent. I want to win the friendship, the respect of this child. I'm going to invest specifically in the future of this child. I'm going to become their friend. I'm going to become the one that they can rely on. They've already experienced enough loss in their life. How can I make that change? The transition for that child will be phenomenal.
0: And I think this is something that we, uh, we really do need to focus on because there's a challenge that a lot of people need to take up is, you know, what can I, you know, you know because, you know, it's not ideal for a child to grow up in a single parent home. And, you know, I can look at this once again in, in some other examples in my own family where. Um uh, you know uh, one of my close family members you know married a woman who was a single mother, and the influence that he was able to have on that child has just been absolutely phenomenal and the and the and the change that that is brought about in that child 's life you know that is now his stepson i mean we we just we just count him as a part of the family and he 's definitely a part of the family we don 't sort of see him as a as, as as step anything um but it's had a massive impact. And, you know, this is a member of of my family that's not even a Christian.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lyle, you know, having a bigger family uh, is is a benefit. Having more siblings becomes a benefit. Uh, Having another parent to look at another set of grandparents to influence their child's life. Uh, All are benefits, but all hinge on the maturity of the adults and how they're going to navigate that relationship. I just uh, recently met a family that has already taken on, I think something like eight foster kids into their care. Wow. Wow. They've got their own kids as well, but they've invested in other people's children as either separation or abuse have separated those families and just in being intentional in providing a stable environment. So here is a key. Is this about me as an adult or is this about the investment into that child's life? This one particular family has just taken on a... A few months old little baby, and uh, I looked at this family and I just said, "Wow, this is a special gift." But it's not a gift; it is, in actual fact, a sacrifice that they make, an investment mm-hmm. that they make in the life of a young person that normally the, the little baby was removed for horrible reasons of what took place in that family. I'm not going to mention what those are, but this family gives that little baby a future that that child would never have had. And uh, it is an investment that you will only see later in life. Right now, there's a lot of care, there's a lot of sleepless nights, there's a lot of um, hassles with the the, the parents that demand that accuse and do all different kinds of things of the biological parents. But here's a couple that says we're just gonna keep on investing. Mm.
0: Yeah, and that's a fantastic story. I think probably many of us know people like that. You know, I know a family who has, you know, invested into you know, and taken on a bunch of foster children. They're all brothers and they've given these kids a you know, a seriously decent life. And sometimes you know, one of the sad things is that I've seen them cop a whole bunch of criticism from time to time. I've spent time in their home. Um, I've been their church pastor. I've seen what goes on in that home. I've seen the amount of effort and the work that goes into those children and the dedication that takes and the challenge it is because these kids are coming from a very broken background and so they're turning up with all kinds of issues. And, you know, having seen all of that firsthand and then you hear other random people saying, oh, they just do it for the money or they just do it, you know, and it's just like you have no idea. Nobody would actually do this for the money because this is seriously hard work and it's a massive investment, but it's changing people's lives. Mm.
2: Personally, I had the experience of having two boys in my home that was not my own. I had been... Uh, just become a father of my second child. So my own children were very young and we had um, relatives that were uh, going through the second divorce and we took on their children. And uh, it was a huge sacrifice Um, in terms of You know, they would go for school holiday, go back to uh, visit their biological parents now in their own new relationships, and they would come in that first four weeks. They would be so unsettled after they return. They would be angry. They would be abusive. And uh, we had to forget about ourselves. We had to just put an investment in and just be there for the child, hold them at a time when they were angry and screaming and even taking it out against us. But it wasn't about us. It was about the the struggle of that child to adjust to what was happening in the family home. They were losing both parents because both parents were now investing into new relationships. And those kids didn't ever felt, very similar to you, Lyle, felt that, uh, you know, they've lost their other parents as well. And um, I look back, both of those are now married men uh, in their own relationship with their own kids, and they still see us as part of... uh, their parents uh, that had the best in their life and that both made a success of their life and what a joy and a privilege to see two godly young men because they've made a decision for Jesus Christ because of their relationship with us and they've influenced their families into a new, complete new direction.
0: When somebody, and there's a fantastic story, um, you know, changing a child's de- uh, trajectory in life, um, A question that comes into my mind, when somebody becomes a step-parent, that's a choice that they make. They choose to become a step-parent. Grandparents don't make that choice. It just happens. Their children make the choice, um, but then they become step-grandparents. What opportunities do step-grandparents have here?
2: Lon, well, this is a conversation that, uh, need to be had before a couple, for instance, get married. Um, when someone takes on a partner that has kids, they have to make a decision that this is a package deal. They're not marrying just one individual. They're actually marrying a, a extended family and those grandparents need to be involved in the life of those kids from from the beginning because if they don't, if those grandparents are not in that equation and willing to make that commitment, they will always, especially if there's uh, biological grandkids, uh, those new kids will always feel that they are second grade. They they are all, they are, they will grow up with shame in their life. Shame psychologically means that I as a sense that I'm defective, that I'm deficient, that I'm full, that I don't measure up, and that I'll never be good enough. I have observed grandparents that took those kids on as their own when it comes to Christmas, to birthday times. They treated those kids exactly the same. And, you know, as, as a grandparent myself, what a great opportunity to, to be the nurturing one, the softer one, that, that the one that is not waiting for that child to prove my, uh, me as a valuable person, but just being there purely for that child. Giving that child another set of eyes and arms and, and hands to help them and support them and guide them in terms of the future. Uh, I sit today with a, a granddaughter that uh, has a stepmother as a stepfather, uh, and I just had contact with her again yesterday. She's with her father, and the father's at work. She's staying with her stepmother alone at the home, and uh, feels very much lost. But my question is, where's the step-grandparents also to step in and build a relationship? In this case, there's none. And therefore, as a, step- uh, as a grandfather, I reach out, I'm intentional. And if step-grandparents could be intentional, not about just living their own life, but the investment in a young person's life, that can make a huge impact. So the key here is the intentionality of living for the investment of another.
0: David, how you've uh, given us a great challenge right there. I think we're all going to be faced with these opportunities in one way or another as we uh, navigate our world through this life. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for
2: being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.